0: (laughs) Welcome to the Deliberate Day Podcast.
1: We're your hosts, Brittany. And I'm Tiffany. And we are so excited to share our guest with you today. She is a wife, a homeschooling mama to six beautiful souls, an author, a podcaster, a speaker, an entrepreneur, you guys. She is so many things. And she's a Catholic business coach who teaches women to discern God's will for their lives and their businesses. Can we talk about a mom who's wearing a ton of different hats? Mama's Sterling Jaquith is coming with the fire today to talk about her insights and strategies for managing large families and for creating systems that reduce stress and increase efficiency. She is the mama behind the Catholic Calm Mom, and she is brilliant. Before we dig into everything she's got to share with us today, I want to tell you that we've got our Deliberate Day Planner on sale in the shop right now. If you follow us on Instagram, you know this is the planner you see almost every single day in my stories, and I have used it religiously for almost... Probably over five years now It is what I use to get ahead of my day every single day It's what gives me clarity and focus and honestly a massive amount of peace when i'm tackling my day Because there's so many people and so many things that when I can kind of hone all of those thoughts down And really get ahead of my day Look at what success for the day means for me and then even look back at my day and say where was I successful? Where did I really struggle and how can I change that tomorrow? It has been just something, it's been a practice that I just keep keeping on with because it's something that serves me every single time I put the time and energy into it. So if this sounds like something you need in your life right now too, then head over to thedeliberateday.org, go into our shop, add the Deliberate Day 12-week planner to your cart, and use the code PODCASTMOM to get 20% off. Sterling with welcome to the podcast. Thank you
2: guys. I love this podcast and I love that you are talking about things that are really relevant to women that have a lot of kids because, you know, there's so much parenting, homemaking, even business advice out there that makes a lot of sense for families with two kids. But when we start getting up in those numbers, the game changes. And so it's, it's nice to have a place
1: where people can hear what real large family life is. Absolutely. Yes. Speaking as a mom of seven, I think things drastically change when you become outnumbered by your children And then I feel Mm -hmm. like there was a tipping point at five for me where I was a very organized person starting out. And then when I had five children, like everything kind of came to a screeching halt. And I was like, oh, I have to really rethink how I do things, when I do things, why I do things, and how to bring people into that. Because you can't just do it on your own anymore all the time.
2: No, you can't. And, um, you know, we're going to talk a lot about goals and just having, trying to create more control within your life. But that is hard when you have a lot of kids. I had six kids in eight years and I'm one of two. I was not raised Catholic. I had no exposure to large families. And so it was really a trial by fire. And I am not an A-type organized person. I'm more artsy. I'm more like, hey, let's just go with the flow. And you can't (laughs) live like that. You really just can't live like that when you have six kids. And I had those six kids in eight years too. So we just had a tremendous number of little kids who are not quite yet helpers. And so we just had to create a lot of systems just to survive. But I'm grateful for that because now you know our house runs pretty well. There's still siblings bickering, you guys. Anytime you hear someone say the systems are great, they're still all the regular things, but I don't feel like I'm drowning and I don't feel like I'm losing my mind.
1: That is huge. It is huge
0: because I think I've heard from some of our moms that they do feel like they're drowning and there's fatigue, right? At the end of the day, like even just normal stuff can wear you out if you feel like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think. And just, I think we've had a run of a few challenging years for a variety of reasons. And I think that dealing with all the emotions and then still trying to live daily life or even go after goals, like we've been talking about all month, that gets a lot more challenging when you have a big family and you have lots of people to think about and, and you just feel slapped, burned out and exhausted.
2: Yeah. And that's exactly why moms stop setting goals, right? I think we we Mm -hmm. most of us go to school in some form or have a job and it's very rewarding in those environments to set goals and achieve them. It's like, oh, I'm great at achieving goals, but those are controlled environments and you don't have a bunch of children (laughs) running around. And then when you have one child or two children, you can kind of trick yourself into thinking, oh, I can manage this environment. I can predict what's going to happen and control it. And that really just goes out. The window at some point when there are a certain number of kids. And so what I found, I remember I was sitting with someone who had a couple more kids than I did. And I have, you guys, always been into self-development and always been into goals. That that is something that's always been very fun and interesting to me. I've read a lot of business books. And I was sitting with my friend, I think she had three more kids than I did at the time, and I had only two. And I said, Oh, are you so excited to set goals? And she goes, Oh. I never set goals. She goes, that just bums me out because I have, I used to set goals and then I'd never achieve them. And it made me really depressed. And I was really surprised at her negative reaction about goals. And I completely understood what she was saying. She was saying, I just can't even control anything. Why would I bother? And so I think a lot of moms have goal trauma. They have this um, excitement and the more heightened your brain is when you make the goals. And when you think you're going to achieve them, the deeper the crashes and the despair and the hopelessness when you can't do them. And even just a small example, a lot of moms that I've been talking to lately said their family has been sick for a solid month. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that recently. And I don't remember hearing that as much before, but a solid month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, let's say, let's say you want to get your 10,000 steps in, or you want to drink more water, or you want to have less screen time with your kids and you're, you're geared up, or you bought your beautiful homeschooling curriculum and then boom, everyone's sick and it's rolling through and heaven yeah. forbid you're one of the people who are sick, right? Then yeah. everything falls apart, right? Yes. And so let humans are just wired to do things that work. And so if you set 20 goals and you completely crash and burn and fail at 20 of them, Mm -hmm. the likelihood that you will keep doing it is pretty slim. And yet, because we're not talking about it, everyone's just sitting in their own living rooms feeling like they're a failure. Like, oh, but Mm -hmm. it's just me and I'm a Mm -hmm.
1: failure. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some goal trauma.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And so I shifted from setting goals to creating systems. And again, this was really born out of having so many children. And the last three pregnancies that I had, I was on bed rest. I could not get out of bed. And so my husband was kind of single parenting the kids and I was like bed parenting the kids from over here. And we just had to create some systems. And so one of the things that we do is we eat the same thing for breakfast every morning much to my kids dismay. They're very upset about it. That's like going to be the worst thing about their childhood is that we eat the same thing for (laughs) breakfast every day. Um, The other thing that we do is we are constantly putting a protein in an instant pot and white rice in an instant pot. And then we have bags of frozen veggies. And so at any point I know that I can grab shredded chicken, white rice, toss some veggies in a pan real fast, and then Mm -hmm. a sauce. And you could do barbecue sauce or teriyaki sauce or taco seasoning. And so a lot of times we're eating kind of the same thing. It feels different depending on the way you mix them together. But that was another system that we created where dinner wasn't so Mm -hmm. mysterious all the time. And we always had the things on hand and and mostly in the state that we needed to eat them. And so systems will bring your stress levels down and help you to cope more with your life. But a system is very different than a goal. And one of the things that I teach women is to be scientists of their own lives. There is no right or wrong way to do things. Some of you guys may be like, that sounds terrible. I don't want to do instant pot shredded chicken at all. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that is neutral. That doesn't, that isn't important for everybody. But if we get to the point where we live our lives on a daily basis and a weekly basis, and we look backwards and we evaluate what's happening and we go, did that work? Did it not work? And we expect things not to work. I want you guys to expect things not to work. Like if you guys want your families to eat, let's just say less processed food. I hear that all the time. Well, you're going to try something and guess what? Your kids aren't going to want to eat it. They're just going to be like, gross mom, what's that? I don't want it. I want quesadillas and sandwiches. It's just all of them, okay? Then what I'm noticing is that moms run that one experiment and they thought it was going to work and then they feel terrible about themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm stuck here. I'll never be able to feed them what I want. They don't listen to me. All these things. Instead Mm -hmm. of scientists run experiments and they just kind of look up at the data and go, oh, did it work? No. All right, we're going to try a different meal it's like so neutral. It's so unemotional. And I think if we can begin to look at improving our lives like that, like just running a bunch of experiments without being really attached to the results, I think we uh, naturally as women are incredible problem solvers and we would start problem solving things pretty quickly.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and you're, you're implementing that learning And I think that is a difficult thing as well for anyone to do, not to mention a mom who's had about 60,000 thoughts before Mm -hmm. the end of the day. But that is a really good point to evaluate the day and then change tomorrow.
1: I yeah. think it's necessary, especially for families, to make small changes and to constantly bring mm-hmm. because just like you said, you might want to start eating a certain way, you try it the first day and it doesn't work, but is the whole entire thing a total bust Or were pieces of it a bust? Were the fact that you didn't thaw the chicken out a bust? Was it the fact that your kids didn't like the brown rice? Can you change up the rice and still try meals that fit within the realm of what you want to do as far as healthy eating? And those little tiny reassessments and those little tiny movements are what actually change and help you create systems that actually do serve you and reduce your stress. But you have to be willing to put in the time and effort to give things a trial run. And that's what mm-hmm. we see a lot of times that people just like you said try something and then feel like it failed and are just like I'm not a good meal planner I'm not I'm not good right. at getting my kids there I'm we're just not good with having socks or or whatever like no you just you yeah. need a better system
2: yeah absolutely and, and and all of you watch out for those I am statements like you are not that you are just not skilled in an area right like I have red hair that is just true <laughs> right but I am not an organized person or a disorganized person. There is just the level to which all of us have practiced any skills, but uh, let's just take training older kids to do chores or to cook meals. Okay. I just want everyone to know that is super annoying. It is super annoying (laughs) to teach a child to make quesadillas for their siblings for lunch. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, they're going to do it wrong. You're going to be like, why I could do this faster. This is Mm -hmm. just ridiculous. And we also think that we can teach them one or two times and then they'll know. And I really think it takes 30 days. I think if you're willing to hang with a kid and teach them something for 30 days, then they will learn it and it will make the whole rest of your parenting life better. So from Mm -hmm. the time that my, let's see, my oldest daughter is 12. Yeah. And we started teaching her to do our dishes at 10. And I don't remember how many months it took until she was just completely in charge of the dishes. She's done that for a long time now. So I just don't remember exactly how long it was, but my 12 year old does all of our dishes and my 10 year old does all of our laundry. And we started training her when she was eight and they wake up in the morning and they do those things. And it was worth the effort to train them. And it was difficult and they didn't do it the way that I wanted them to. And I remember the times that my eight year old would forget to, turn the washer into the dryer, which all of us do as moms, but it's maddening when your eight year old does it. And I just knew it was worth it to hang with her, to create Mm -hmm. that system, to make our lives run more smoothly. And so I do get that question all the time. How do you do all these things? And I'm like, well, I have a lot of systems and I don't do any of our dishes or
1: our laundry, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Those are two huge tasks out of your day. Really like really big tasks.
0: I just I am <laughs> sitting here possibly the biggest one. Yeah. And even teaching a child to switch one to the other mm-hmm. is a great first step uh, as far as that chore
1: goes, because then yeah. you keep it moving because as a mom, you do forget. Well, I think that the other point of having these systems and relieving the weight of having the entire household and everything in it on us is also the fact that we're raising adults. We're not just raising children, we're raising adults. And the point is to teach them skills. And that takes time and it is frustrating. But it is so worth it on the other side. Teaching them meal planning, teaching them how to cook meals, clean up after meals, how to vacuum, how to sweep well. You know, like all of these basic tasks that you're like, I could have swept that in two minutes. But we're Mm -hmm. 30 minutes later still trying to go over the areas that still need to be swept. Like it is maddening at times, but truly so, so worth it. Yeah. And if I no. told you it was going to take 30 times, if I said,
2: you're going to have to train them 30 times yeah. and then it only takes 10 or 15, you'll feel mm-hmm. great. But <laughs> the problem is we think it takes two. We think it takes yeah. two times of showing them something. And then we are annoyed and we either, because of that annoyance, stop asking them or we just treat them with annoyance and then we don't like ourselves. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm just, I, we see it. We don't like ourselves when we have that behavior. And so pulling back and seeing, yeah, it just, it just takes a little bit more time. But let's go back to creating systems. I love what you said about we don't need to throw the whole thing out. We can just tweak it a little bit. And mm-hmm. so let's use the entryway as an example. I would I would make it a goal. So instead of traditionally what people think of as goals, I now just say, I'm going to test out systems until my result is. Okay. So I would say this year, I'm going to, I'd probably do this for the quarter this quarter. I'm going to test out some systems until everyone knows where to put their things in the entryway when they come home. Okay. And your first try, maybe hooks or cubbies or whatever it is, And then the first barrier that you're going to hit is that they don't use them. They just breeze right past and they still just throw their (laughs) jacket on the couch. She's not going to use it, right? You already know that. All of you know that. And yet we we just act surprised. We're like, they're not using my adult system. (laughs) Of course they're not using your adult system. And so if I build in like, yep, I'm going to have to train them 30 days in a row. And then, but like you said, if you just, get to the end of the week, you might see, oh, there weren't enough hooks. I actually need a hook for hats and jackets, or Mm -hmm. actually the snow boots are too tall to fit in this smaller shoe cubby that I created, right? You're just going to see these problems that you didn't anticipate, but it doesn't mean we throw out the whole system. And I just think moms do not take the time to slow down and evaluate what happened the day before, if we can get into the habit of just looking at the day before and going, huh, what happened? What, where did I freak out and get upset at the kids? What's going on with these kiddos? Most of us are just living reactive lives, reacting to the fires in front of us. And we are in a stress state when we do that, right? Most moms are walking around in a near constant stress state, And you literally don't have access to your problem solving brain when you are Mm -hmm. stressed out. And so you have to calm yourself down enough to be able to problem solve. And I, I have a feeling that a lot of moms set their goals in a stress state that they sit down Mm -hmm. and they're like, I'm going to set my goals. It feels like they're in a good mood, but it's coming from a place of like dread and anxiety and failure. Or even just from that place. They're trying to set goals that will save them. Oh, mm-hmm. if I could just do this, it will save me, right? Yeah. And again, I just want to suggest you guys are not in your best problem-solving mode when we're trying to problem solve from that place.
0: Well, and I I do have a question. <clears throat> the Norwegian in me wants to ask: Are you taking kids' input when you do the tweaks? Because either way is okay, but As you've worked with so many women, what have you found that
2: works and helps in that respect? So, um... I don't know how many years ago now, Uh, many years ago, I wrote a book on minimalism. I found that there was no books on minimalism for large families. They were all like, we live in New York condos and you can just buy Mm -hmm. it again if you need it later. And I was just like, who are these people talking about minimalism? Um, But I really think that religious orders were like the OG minimalists, right? Like when you look at a Carmelite nun's room, like they knew that, you know, simplicity and order was, was so great. And so I wanted to bring that to large families. And so some the answer is sometimes, right? It's either age or emotional maturity. And so I, with the entryway, we moved to a new house three years ago. So I'm trying to think when we did that. I knew what I wanted to do and it was pretty straightforward. I don't think I asked anybody that. But with books or art supplies, I will sometimes ask my oldest daughter, but it's almost because her personality type is such that she sees a lot and understands And she has thoughtful things to add. Whereas my younger two girls, I just don't know that they would have a lot of ideas, but I will go into their room and I will let them make a lot of decisions. I'll kind of create a a bar like, okay, well, I often, they each have a box and it's just kind of their like pack rat, the stuff that kids want to collect box. There's no escaping that. And I'll say, yep, this is your box. If it fits in the box, you get to keep it. If it doesn't, You know, we're not keeping it. And then there's everything else that's left over. And I will work with them to decide, are we keeping these things? Are we getting rid of them? What are we doing? And recently we reworked their closet and I did ask them about that. But my husband built a very crude. He is not a craftsman type that makes beautiful (laughs) home things. Lest you guys think that I have one of those. I do not have one of those. He just like (laughs) nailed some two by fours together and screwed hooks into it. Racks for their ski gear. And we had a couple different levels for all of their ski gear and it lives in the garage for the year. And then we pull it out for ski season and put it next to the wood stove. And that was a big game changer for us because the kids just didn't understand what to do with their gear. And so it ended up being wet. And then the next day when they're driving me bananas and I want the boys to go outside, I'd be like, Oh, they couldn't go outside, but you have to slow down enough to go, Why was I upset today? Oh, yeah, the boys were in the house all day. They were driving me bananas. Why weren't they in the house all day? Oh, yeah, their ski clothes were wet. Well, how could we avoid their ski clothes being wet, right? Like you just kind of follow this path. And then it was just a guess that if we made this thing that it would work. And it required a lot of training. And for that particular thing, we actually assigned an older girl to each of the younger boys. I have three girls first and then three boys. And it was the older girl's job to make sure that they put their hat in their gloves every time before meals. Mm -hmm. We anchor a lot of our things to meals where they get ready to sit down for lunch and we go, oh, are your gloves hung up? And we just have this moment like nobody eats until all those things are done and we'll catch them and they'll be like, oh yeah, I got to go do that. They run downstairs and make sure the gloves are there. Mm -hmm. But it's these little things, these little things. And they're so little, you will talk yourself out of doing them you'll be like, I'm drowning. I have all these huge problems. I'm not going to think about gloves, but I'm telling you that it's a hundred issues like gloves that are causing you to lose your mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So when you're talking about evaluating, is there a certain time that you do your evaluation of the day or that you recommend moms do their evaluation? I think there's three
2: kinds of phases of life or personalities. I think a lot of moms like to do it at the end of the day. My brain is gone. My brain is gone after about 3 PM. If anything is important to me, I have to do it before 3 PM. Cause it just goes mush, mush in my brain and there's just not much there afterwards. And so I'm just doing really easy things after that time. So I prefer to do it in the morning, but I also don't have a baby, right? I, I would have not, done it first thing in the morning, any of those baby years, pregnancy years, breastfeeding years. And mm-hmm. so if you're in that phase and you know you're not getting a lot of sleep, I think a lot of those moms tend to do it around 10 a.m. It's like we do the the breakfast circus and we tuck people in to places. And there's usually like a little lull, even if it's for 15 minutes, my friends, in the morning where you could sit down and just think about, okay, what happened yesterday? You know, where did I lose my cool and then start problem
1: solving as to why. So when you're problem solving, are there particular questions or is there a particular starting point that you begin with when you're evaluating?
2: Yeah, the starting point for me is always stress. When did my body go into a stress state? And um, so I just, I noticed that. And then I only ask two questions. I go, uh, well, I asked two questions about the system. So let's say you've, you haven't made any systems yet. And this is day one. Tomorrow is day one. You'll just look at the previous day. Or if you're doing it at the end of the day, you look at the day and you just go, ah, where did I lose my peace? I am just a giant fan of searching for and maintaining peace, which is a very small book by father Jacques Philippe. And Mm -hmm. he just says, there is no good reason to lose your peace. And I hold on to that. And, and we lose our peace all the time. Don't feel bad about that. You guys, but it's a signal. It's a signal that we are not walking closely with the Lord we are not exhibiting those fruits of the Holy Spirit. We are just a little confused about something. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
2: we notice we lose our peace. Okay. Do you guys want to pick an example that's
1: common or something that happened yesterday or already this morning for you guys? Um, For me, I lose my peace when we're trying to get out the door or when my kids are arguing.
2: Yeah. those. Oh my gosh. Those are two of the worst. They're visceral. I want you guys to know it's like visceral in your body. Okay. It's really difficult to overcome that. But here's the mistake we make about getting out the door. I'm actually great at getting out the door. I think it's just like one of my superpowers, but it's also because I hate being late and it's not because I value punctuality. I just had a really chaotic childhood. And so I just kind of formed a vow in my childhood that was like, I will not have so much craziness that I can't be to a place on time. So I don't value mm-hmm. punctuality even in other people. I can tell it's just a me-centered thing, but it has always been important to me. And it's so predictable, you guys. We, pre- we pretend like it's not. We pretend like if you are going to ask your four-year-old to put his shoes on, that he's just going to do it. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> no, he's yes. not. He's not going to put his shoes on. He's going to be like, he's either going to cry about it or he's going to be playing with Legos. Or he's going to, the other thing is my boys, because they are currently four five and six, they can share each other's things. And so then the four-year-old will be like, I want Blaze's shoes. And he'll start mm-hmm. crying, full on crying that he can't wear Blaze's shoes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I may not have predicted that that was the thing that was going to happen this morning, but it's always something. Yes. It's always something. And so we are asking them usually 10 minutes before we need to get out the door no Mm -hmm. way I think it's at least five minutes a kid right if you have six kids it's 30 minutes it is Mm -hmm. 30 minutes where you are like circling up like hey we're leaving soon it you guys it's the worst when it's like my 10 year old and because you feel like you don't even have to tell them more than once you just tell them and they're and she'll just have no socks on no socks she'll just be sitting somewhere with no socks even ready to walk out the door and I'm like darling you have no shoes on. Like, what are we doing? What is happening right now? Yeah. But the fact that we all laugh about this is because it happens all the time. Yeah. And if it happens all the time, then we can plan against it. And so it's it's better training about socks and shoes. It's it's you know are they by the door? All of our socks and shoes are by the door now. We have a sock bucket that lives by the door. Socks no longer live in people's rooms. They're only in this bucket by the door. Um, I start rallying them 30 minutes ahead of time. And I also have no problem reminding them. A big resistance that moms have. And like you said, we have 60,000 thoughts and our thoughts create our feelings. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you think I shouldn't have to ask them more than once, how does that feel? How does that feel in your body when you think
1: I shouldn't have to ask them more than once? it feels maddening because you, Madden. you do like, I, I feel like you should do what I ask. It feels very personal when they don't do what I ask. Yes. That's, yeah. that's how my husband feels when okay. he
0: asks the kids to do things more than mm-hmm. once, because he thinks he should ask them once and then they can change their entire life. Like, yeah. I don't want you to be so disrespectful. And then the next second they should turn into like a respectful human being yeah I know that I don't work like that. You have to ask me several times to do something, maybe in different ways, so mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me as much, but I know it does bother people
1: mm-hmm. yeah it does <coughs> it, it It does feel personal to me when I have to continually ask for things. Because I'm like, look, I'm not doing this for me. We're getting out the door for you, for your <laughs> right. soccer team, for your you know, theater event or whatever. And you should be wanting to help everyone in this family to get out the door or to participate or to be listening and helping in any way possible as like a thank you and as a support of everyone else who's supporting you. So yes, it feels personal when they don't do that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, absolutely. But it's just skills. Okay. They lack, they both lack emotional regulation skills and focus skills and the actual skill of what we're doing. The truth is the four-year-old does not actually know how to put his shoes on well. We know that by the time they're eight, that's not a problem anymore, but they do still struggle with that at four. Right, mm-hmm. and then for my ten-year-old, I can just tell her hormones are changing, and she's kind of emotional—not like at the teenager level, but she has not yet cultivated the skill of understanding all of that in her body. She's highly distractible, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's exactly what you said about your husband. We do—we like think that we're going to have an adult thought about an adult concept and convey it to them one time, and they're going to do it. Now, I am all for kids obeying their parents and respecting their parents. That is like Bible 101, you should do it. But if we look back at those biblical times, the amount of training that created that was so much more than I think we do now, where they were reinforcing it. I think they had a lot of catchphrases, too, that we probably lost, um, that just mean like you do what your father says, you listen to what your father says. And, and then the mom is coming in behind and even explaining what that means, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't even know what, do what my father says. And we have to explain to them, like, you know, even if you have questions or you're not sure, you just say, yes, dad, and you do it. And we practice that. Mm-hmm. So when I put my little boys not so much now they're a little bit older, but two years ago, it was really rough, right? They would have been two, three, and four. And I would say, Hey, I prime them. Hey, in five minutes, it's going to be bedtime. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to say, Hey boys, it's bedtime. And then all of you are going to say, yes, mom. And I go, okay, let's practice. And I go, okay, it's bedtime. And they'll go, yes, mom. Cause they know that it isn't yet. Um, but it's just, this is what it is. It's like training and priming them. And yeah when we but we, you don't want to slow down to do it this is the royal view all of us we don't want to slow down to do these things and yet we are losing our blooming minds like yes. we are not being the kind of moms that we want and i think 5 minutes you guys 5 minutes a day of evaluating the previous day and just deciding i am going to be a problem solver to have better systems and more peace in my home. And it's never going to end. That is never going to end. As soon as we lock in <laughs> one, somebody's age changes, a season changes, and we mm-hmm. have to do it again. And that's not a problem. If you knew that that was coming, it mm-hmm. wouldn't bother you that we had to always be doing this process.
1: hmm and oh my gosh that's that's pure gold to hear because it's like laundry my oldest son gets very angry when someone brings in another towel after he's finished a towel load. (laughs) And I literally made a visual for him on a whiteboard that was like, this is not a finishable task. It was never created to be a finishable task. This is a rotating system. At any point you are in one of these pieces of the rotating system. It just depends on which one you're in, but you're just going to move right to the next one as soon as you can. Like this is never a finishable task. And it, He was not happy about it, (laughs) (laughs) but I could see that something clicked with that because in his Mm -hmm. mind, it was that idea that I'm going to tell you once and then we're done, or I'm going to do this job and then I'm done. And shifting that mindset around that was very powerful.
2: Yeah. And part of problem solving is understanding their different personality types. It's my eight year old that has that like, oh, it has to be the right way and it needs to be ordered. She has that way more than I do. And so for her, I'll have to pull her aside and be like, listen, I love that you have a brain that wants things this way, but we do not act. uh, We have to act charitably to all the other people, even though this thing is important to you. Right. Because she, Mm -hmm. those you know, ordered people, it's so important to them that they will be snappy to other people who don't care as much. And I'm like, Hey, it's not bad to be one of the, the bean counters or the organized people. It's totally fine. God made us that way. And we need those people, but we can't yell at our free spirit sister over here, especially like you said, for doing something like just putting in the towel, we fold none of our laundry. So all of our towels go on hooks and all of our clothes just get put in a drawer. American clothes now really don't wrinkle. And so Mm -mm. other than my husband's church shirt and maybe one or two dresses of mine, um, really clothes do not need to be folded. And so, you know, if it, that is my favorite chore, by the way, like if I could choose to only do one thing, it would be to just sit and fold clothes and listen to podcasts. And I enjoy that. (laughs) So if you enjoy it, absolutely. You can do it. But continually challenging the status quo and saying, do we need to do this? Does it need Mm -hmm. to be done this way? I think that that is such a gift as moms that we can bring to our homes just to help them run a little bit more smoothly.
0: Well, and something I'm hearing from you over and over and over again that I love is the idea that you're a student of your children.
2: Mm -hmm. You
0: are when your you're home. And you're home. But when you're evaluating, you're you're also including the personalities, the differences, the idiosyncrasies, the you know, just everything the about needs. your kids, the needs, mm-hmm. yes, which is amazing. I love that.
1: Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this then. When we're talking about, we we get through the evaluation, when did my body go into, into a stress state? When you're first starting out, I feel like I could pick out a thousand things. You know, I think any mom could be like, well, I was angry here, 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 here. So where do you get to the point where you say, okay, this is what I'm going to tackle? Because I think if we try to tackle too much, obviously, we're going to feel overwhelmed. You can't <clears throat> teach your kid 10 new systems in one day and expect all of them to keep working out. You kind of have to start small. So how do you recommend once you go through that evaluation where you begin the next day? I've, you know,
2: here's the thing. Your brain doesn't want you to do hard things. Your brain wants to keep you comfortable, right? It doesn't like risk. It doesn't like pain. And it doesn't like inefficiency. And so it doesn't want you to learn a new skill because by nature, you will be inefficient at that skill. So I want all of you to just take this in. Your brain will trick you into just being confused to not solve it. So a lot of you are indulging in this confusion. Like, well, I just don't know where to start because there's so many. I'm like, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. (laughs) I would say you were stressed yesterday. Make a big list about why. What's the first thing you can tackle? Sometimes we should tackle the easiest thing because we could knock it out.
1: Sometimes
2: Mm -hmm. we should tackle the most painful thing because it's causing the biggest problem. Generally, if I've got a mom who's never done any of this work before, and thought about her thinking or her feelings or systems or any of it, the first thing we tackle is the noise levels in the house. The noise in most homes, especially large families, especially homeschooling families, um, I want you to imagine that noise, particularly sibling fighting, babies crying, that like really gut-wrenching noise are like Mm -hmm. bullets flying at you. Okay. So imagine if we went to Vietnam and we took these soldiers who like went into battle and had bullets flying at them. And we were like, you should just be grateful for your kids. Like you should just manage your time better so that you could get exercise in. Right. (laughs) Like this is how people talk to us. People talk to us like we should be able to do that. When bullets are flying by you, your body goes into a fight or flight state. You cannot think clearly and you shouldn't. Your job is just to cope and get out of there, right? Mm -hmm. And even, this is the craziest thing to me, even soldiers aren't in battle all the time, right? They just have to get through it. Then they get to come back to camp. We don't get to come back Mm -hmm. to camp, right? This is 6.30 in the morning until... Nine thirty at night when your teenager wants to talk to you all of a sudden and you're
1: like oh my god to to you. <laughs> yes. we yes. were just having that conversation terrible
0: oh,
2: i love nice. i listen i love to go to bed at nine and i already see the writing on the wall that, and, I, and I've seen this in so many families. So that's when the teenagers want to talk to you. And I'm like, all right, Lord, you're just going to have to give me the extra energy because I can yeah. see that that's when they want to open their hearts up and you want it from them. Mm-hmm. And so as soon yes. as they like curl up with you and they're like, mom, and they ask you this incredible thing, you're like, all right, here we go. But you're so tired. <laughs> <laughs> you're so tired. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, noise is <laughs> like bullets. I want you guys to sh- like, noise is like bullets whizzing by you all the time. And so that is absolutely the first place that moms need to work, which is we just act like it has to be that way. And I will, I'm here to tell you, it does not, it does not have to be that way. You can create quiet time. You can create quiet spaces. You can teach them not to talk to you, right? Like, um, I'm wearing a bow right now. And you could just be like, every time mommy wears this bow, you are not allowed to ask me any questions, right? I have
0: to. I just have to tell you the one idea that I got from your podcast years ago was the ability to tell your children, I am not available right now. Yeah. Changed my life. Like, so it it was just so helpful. Sorry. But
2: that, yeah. But I think we have this misconception. I think we have this misconception that like little house on the prairie mom was like doing stuff with the kids. Oh, for sure. She wasn't. For sure, they were like, "Get out of here, get out of the kitchen, go in that space if they were little, right? Yeah. They were wearing That's the fine. under twos. I think they were wearing the under twos. they weren't doing anything, and then mm-hmm. even by four, they were like, "'Go get the eggs. I'll see you later, yeah. right Like they were doing stuff. They were not reading books to them on the couch, and like, oh did is your are your feelings hurt? like let's talk about it let's let me just stop taking care of my life so that we survive the winter." So I could talk about your feelings like they weren't doing that. And not that I think we should swing the other way. I like the feelings thing, but this idea Mm -hmm. that they should have access to us all the time and that we think it's a good thing. So children make bids for attention. Okay, this is what it's called in psychology. The children make a bid for attention. We have a vague idea that there's this like attachment thing and the non-attachment thing, which isn't related, by the way, to wearing the baby, okay? An attached baby feels like when I make a bid for attention, more often than not, my parent responds and it is resolved, okay? And then there are babies who have no attachment, which are like, my mom's on heroin and I was in a dirty diaper for six hours crying on the floor, okay? We think- Mm -hmm. Not responding to them all the time is going to create this heroin situation. And I'm like, they are very, very far from each other. Very far. Okay, And so if you are, and I want to suggest, by the way, because so many of us are overwhelmed, we, by the time the afternoon comes, we're snapping at the kids, which is actually creating the thing that we don't want to create. Just disconnection in that moment. Whereas at at 11 o'clock, if you had said, hey, you need to stay in this room. You may not come into the kitchen and you had given yourself 20, 30, 40 minutes of time to just not have the noise. You would have been more equipped for the afternoon. But because mm-hmm. we feel trapped and they're like can pull at us all the time, we are just losing our minds. And so it's actually the best thing for the children to train them up this way. And my children just know, I will give them my full attention. I will talk to them. I will answer their questions, just not all day long. They have to save it up for a different time. And I, and because they have that trust with me, we still have attachment, right? We mm-hmm. still have attachment because they know that their needs will be met. And I'm not talking about, I fell and scraped my knee. Like, of course you're going to stop and go talk to that kid. But it's like mm-hmm. my eight-year-old will bound into the kitchen, while my husband and I are talking, making lunch, which is a production for six kids. And she'll be like, can we get a puppy? And I'm like, oh, my, I will murder you. Like, it's just not. <laughs> not important right now. <laughs> and so, yeah, they should not have access to us all the time. And the more you do this, the calmer you will feel and the more you will have energy and mental capacity to serve them in the moments that you really need to.
1: Mm hmm. I think that's so true because I have been trying to find a better balance with that of instead of saying, oh, I'm balancing everything at once to create time for things, because oftentimes I would be working at the computer and they would interrupt me and I would say, "Um, hold on just a minute. And I would try to finish what I was doing and they would toddle off or they would still be there later asking their questions. And I would then be trying to take care of that and then take care of this. And I was so divided that even when I quit working, My brain was still on work and I was still frustrated about being interrupted in the first place. And so my time with them wasn't good time. And just creating those brackets, like you said, to say, I'm not available right now. If I'm sitting at my desk, unless you are bleeding or a bone is protruding out of your body, or there is some high level emergency, I'm not available. You have other siblings. You are a competent person. You have to figure it out on your own for right now. And it makes the time that you do spend with them, and you put work away, or you, you know, put whatever else you need to do, or your quiet time, like you said, just getting away from the noise for a little bit, it makes that time you come back to much, much more manageable.
2: Yeah. And you, and you need to have feel you need like... to be able to look forward to it. Like if you if you're yeah. in the noise, I will coach myself and be like, "Yep, it's noisy right now. Meals are intense, or getting out of the house is intense, and it's fine. But remember, at two o'clock." you're going to have a break. Like just, we got to make it till Mm -hmm. two o'clock, right? Just building in those, those pockets that you can look forward to. Cause otherwise our brains are so dramatic and they're just like, we're stuck here. This is terrible. (laughs) I'm never going to get out of little kid land. And it's just, it's so awful. Then we feel terrible about having those thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. We're just living in terrible thought land. Most of the time, most moms, I think.
1: Yeah, I do think so. And I think when you're living in terrible thought land, it's really hard to even imagine a time where you could have your bucket filled or have time away in quiet enough that you would feel renewed enough to go back. But it doesn't take very much of practicing these little things to make that difference and to be able to make that shift because it really does make a difference.
2: Yeah. Yeah, It it's. I, I just wish I could grab all of us and just say... It's just a couple tools. It really is. I want you to know it's just a couple tools. The way I describe it is the way I describe modern motherhood is it's like if somebody, if you got bought a new house and you had a lawn and somebody gave you a pair of scissors and they said, okay, I want you to cut the lawn. And there you are. And you're like cutting the lawn and you're like, this doesn't feel right. Like on a deep level, you know, you're like cutting the lawn with scissors and you're like, this doesn't feel right. This can't be right. And you never get to see anybody else cut their lawn. So you just look over and Julie's lawn is cut. And you're like, how's Julie doing it? Her lawn's cut. I guess she's using the scissors too, right? Like, and then you just mm-hmm. keep thinking, I need to try harder. Or I just love the water thing. Like if I eat more vegetables, cutting the cutting the lawn with scissors will get better, right? Like we just make these funny associations. And then all of a, lo- all of a sudden somebody comes along and gives you a lawnmower. And you're like, what? Yeah. Oh, and we still have the work of cutting the lawn. Right. We will never escape the work. But you just see that you are doing it a way that you your brain didn't even understand. That is how we are using our brains right now. That is how most moms are managing their emotions. They are doing it like cutting grass with scissors. And there's just a couple tools that are like a lawnmower that really make it so much easier to cope with Mm -hmm motherhood. And I just, I promise, listen, I had six kids in eight years and I learned these things probably three years ago and I was drowning and it was awful and I was so unhappy and I I wasn't looking forward to the future. I was just like, I'm never going to stop getting pregnant and everyone's Mm -hmm. crying and I'm crying and it was terrible. And I just never thought that I could just handle it. Like now I can just handle it. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't drive me nuts when the sisters are squabbling. Right. Mm -hmm. But I have tools for calming down and tools for talking to them. And if I don't by the way, let's say it's new, let's say it's a new challenge, then if you're evaluating your day and calming yourself down, you just go to the internet and you go, "All right, how do we deal with boys who stink and need to take a shower? What are the tools?" And we just go find out yeah. what it is and then we we figure and then we just try something. We don't know if it's going to work, but we try it.
1: Amazing. Absolutely. I want to go back and relisten to this podcast at least 5 times and take all of the notes. Sterling, you are an incredible wealth of knowledge. Before we wrap up today, we have a few questions that we ask all of our guests. The first is, what is your mom superpower? I think it's this. I think my, my mom's
2: super, it's like, because I didn't grow up Catholic and because I didn't grow up in a large family, it is so easy for me to admit I don't know what to do. Right. There's no expectation that I should have known what to do because Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in one of those families. And so with great humility, I'm just like, oh, let's try something. Let's try um, this system. And I I don't feel like I imagine that if you had grown up in a homeschooling family and you had that model, a little bit of you would be like, well, I should be good at homeschooling because I was homeschooled. Yep.
0: That's definitely true. <laughs> and and that is a legit superpower. I really think so.
1: I, I do for sure. Okay. If you could go back to one stage of motherhood and tell yourself one thing, where would you go back to and what would you say? Yeah, I would probably go back to
2: the right before I did the three, the, we call them Irish triplets because, you know, we had the three boys in three years. Um, so they're nice. each 12 months apart and I was on bed rest for each one. And I think I would go back and just say, I really, really promise it really isn't going to be like this forever. I really promise that them eating string cheese and watching Netflix isn't going to break their brains. It isn't going to make them horrible humans. And that this isn't because imagine I did it one time and I had a lot of like, okay, we're going to let them watch a little more than we normally do because we're just trying to get through. But then it happened again and again and again, right? Because it was both pregnancy and postpartum and then I was pregnant again, um, And so, you know, it's, I just, when you're in a hard season, because now I just carry that with me in any hard season and I just say, it will end, right? We cannot be pregnant forever. Um, You can't even have difficult things in your marriage forever. Like everything changes, nothing stays the same. And Mm -hmm. so I just say, hang on, it's hard right now, but hang on, it will change and and then that's just true about every, every phase of, of parenting in life. And that's what I would tell myself.
0: That is so wonderful. And probably that's one of the next things I'm going to ask you. What are four things your friends or family would say that you're good at?
2: I'm really good at assimilating complex information and making it simple, right? So I read a lot and I learn a lot, but then I say it in simple ways, like cutting the lawn with scissors,
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so I think that that's always just been I don't know and and part of it is I ha- I've had to do that for my own brain I've, I have a hard time learning things and so I have to make sense of it for myself and the way that I do that ends up making it really simple um, we are my husband and I are very good at hosting so people do say that about us all the time we just are very comfortable with having 40 50 people over and feeding them and managing all of that and it's it's almost like a, a charism of our family or a gift that we have
0: it definitely so
2: um, we can do that not everyone can do that but um, I feel very blessed that he agrees like that we both love doing that we really do we really love having a lot of people over um, and and feeding them and creating those experiences um probably people would say that I'm I'm very religious right I really yeah. I pray a lot and I I take everything back to discernment. We didn't talk about that a ton, but I think that I know. everything begins with discerning the will of God. And, and so often we, we discern big things. You know, a lot of times we'll pray, you know, should my husband change his job? Should we buy this house? We, we pray for really big things. I pray for everything. And that is one of the biggest thing reasons why people work with me for their business is because mm-hmm. I teach them to pray about like your launch, and this product, and should we hire this person? And how should I have this conversation? Like God is with us all the time and wants to have this two-way relationship with us. And you can hear his voice and you can help him. I pray over each of my children's names every Sunday. So like I say, Lord, what does Rosemary need? Right, and I pray over mm-hmm. her and I just listen. And and it's just amazing what I hear. I, I mean, it's, it's really, and that also helps me to, to quiet the, we have to do all the things and be all the things as moms. And, and he'll just say something very simple to me about what she needs. And I'm like, okay, great. That's all I need to do. Then I'm not worried about Mm
1: -hmm. college
2: when she's 12 or, um, you know, so we just jump into the future so far with these kids. And, and I find that if you're willing to let him tell you, he will kind of guide you in, in really small ways for I mean, I don't know if this is silly, but I love dogs more than all the people. I love dogs so much. And it's, it's funny. I up here, our friends don't have a lot of dogs or if they do, it's like a farm dog. Like almost nobody has like a family dog that they snuggle with on the couch. And I love dogs so much. And, uh, I was a dog trainer. That was the second business I started uh, when I I was 21. And, um, so I just, I love dogs and I think they're so fun and funny and interesting and I love training them. I don't really do that anymore but I, I enjoy it so much. And it is such a obvious part of my personality that I think people think of me like that.
1: That is awesome. That is, (laughs) that that is, yeah, I wouldn't have either. (laughs) Okay. So final question is what is something that makes your family special? Well, I think the hosting people thing is a big thing that people think of when they think of
2: our family. But the other thing is, uh, and I will credit my husband with this is we have a very, strong camping culture, an outdoors culture in our family. And he will take all six of my kids camping by himself. He sets up a canvas tent. All of our kids do it. Like he's like, go get the stakes, go get the ropes. I don't even know the words you guys. I don't even know the words. I mean, I'm not, I, it's not that I didn't camp, but for all these years, I stayed home with the babies. Uh-huh. but the last time they went, he took all six of them. Cause our youngest is four. And so not only do we camp a lot, but my husband will also take other children camping or help other dads who feel like they don't know how to camp with children. And he kind of says like, Hey, just bring sleeping bags because we, we have this huge campus tent. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just a really special part about our family. And I love that. I love that our kids are outside and they, they always like pray the rosary and, there's a lot of dads. We have a dad who plays the guitar and we'll sing beautiful hymns with the kids. And it's just a really special kind of blending of outdoorsy things and faith things. And I don't see that everywhere. And and again, I it's just mostly my husband who does it. But I, I really love that about our family.
1: That is awesome. Now I wish we lived closer to you. I know. <laughs> Come over for dinner, go camping with you. Oh, Sterling, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your time, honoring us with all of your wisdom. I think you are incredible. Can you tell all of our mamas and our listeners where we can find more about you, where we can listen to your podcast, and what you've got going on right now?
2: Yeah. So if you go to sterlingjquith.com, that's where I do all of that business stuff. And whatever stage of business you're at, I have something For each of those stages. And then I have a podcast called Made for Business. I think that it's kind of a calling within a calling, right? We are first called to be moms, but then God really taps some of us on the shoulder to do business also. And that looks different in different seasons. I don't work, the way I work now is not at all the way that I worked even five years ago, but Mm -hmm. it is odd. And so, because it's such an unusual calling, I want you to know that if you're feeling that, you probably are being called to business, and it's okay if absolutely none of your friends are. But I think we look around and we go, "Oh, no one else is doing this. Is it selfish? Mm-hmm. Am I wrong for wanting this? Um, you know?" And then we all feel ill-equipped to do it. Nobody feels, you know, called to do business. We all feel like we're making it up, and you know, we don't know what we're doing. And uh, but I, I just want you to know that it is unusual if he calls you, it is probably what a work that he needs you to do. And he will guide you along the way to do it and, and really to trust him. And so you can read about that at dot com, And I talk about that a lot on the made for business show, which is a podcast and it's kind of everywhere that podcasts are.
1: Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. So, so very much for your time today. Thank you ladies. And thank you for this ministry.
2: It's a a group of people that don't always have a voice or don't always get to talk to each other to feel this, this sense of connection or community, like we're not in it alone. And so I love these episodes for, for that, just the, the camaraderie and the, oh, okay, I'm part of this, this group and, and I really can do it. I think that's so special.
1: Okay, so who is ready to look at goals differently as systems? Because sign me up. I am ready. Mamas, you can easily do this. Grab a spiral notebook and just jot down some ideas. Choose one place to start. If you want a really pretty way to do this, I've actually got our 12 week planner on sale in the shop right now. You can use the code PODCASTMOM. So go check that out if you're interested. And before we go, sweet mamas, it would mean the world to Tiff and I if you would leave us a review. Your reviews, Go so much farther and do so much more than you might think. This one from Melissa Halpert really, really spoke to our hearts. She said, "'Love this podcast, left us five stars,' which thank you so much, Melissa." She said, I picked this podcast up a few months ago, and I have played the episodes on my morning walks. It's been so enjoyable getting to know the hosts through their stories, and I feel like I have grown in my own goals from their advice. Melissa, amazing to hear. Thank you for leaving us a review. Mamas, you can leave us a review on any platform, wherever you're listening to this, and we would appreciate it so, so much. And finally, never forget... You are doing beautiful work.